Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and I'm sitting in a very plush Dublin hotel in the lounge area talking to Joe Panama from Overhead the Albatross. Joe, how's it going? I'm good, on. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah, I don't know why uh, I've, we came here, but this seems to be the place that everyone goes for interviews these days. It's like here or the Exchequer, but any interviews we've done for the, for the album we're done here so yeah. I just assume this is the place everyone goes to you've just gotten used to the sounds and the yeah, sights yeah. and the lights and everything like I'm not going to a dingy <laughs> yeah, yeah. dingy street hotel or anything we've got to spare myself with the kind of luxurious ambience you know for any friend you flow well otherwise you know what's the point <laughs> um, just before we started I, uh, I was like oh so what's your what's your surname and you actually told me it was Panama and I was like what Joe Panama like I saw I see it on Facebook and everywhere and I'm just like I presumed it was, well, as you said, everyone presumes it's a stage name. Like, where, where does it come from? So, as far as I'm aware, it comes from somewhere in Central America. I know it's a Mayan name, so it's from, like, Guatemala or El Salvador. Um, and there's, like, as far as I know, there was a woman who had three kids, and she fled her, like, horrible husband and came across to Europe. Um, I'm sure there's someone in my family sitting there going, that's not what happened. But that's the story that I have in my head through all the Chinese whispers we've had over the years. So that's what I figure the situation is. And yeah, we're the, we're the only ones in the country. So uh, whenever any of us gets in trouble, everyone knows about it. It's not like being a Murphy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, very, not, not, very, not very anonymous. That can be a problem. It's uh, that's almost kind of a good enough story, you know, to put at the top of the overhead the Albatross press release, isn't it? Though it's like Central American influenced. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, it's lying. My, yeah, yeah. Mayan, Mayan influence melodies, and uh, no, it's absolute waffle. And I don't want to appropriate any Mayan culture. <laughs> I'm from Finglas. <laughs> Finglas, born and raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Finglas, yeah. It's, uh, for my sins, Dra- it wasn't it wasn't raised there. I was dragged up. <laughs> Dragged up out of the ground. Uh, so we're here in these lovely surroundings to talk about uh, your wonderful debut album, Learning to Growl. Self-released? Self-released, yeah, self-released. Uh, there were, that was the decision we made. There was a couple of offers that were made, but we decided to do it ourselves. It made more sense to do it that way. Um, obviously, it cost a lot more money to do it that way, but uh, I think we had a lot more control doing it ourselves and we've kind of yet to have any yet to have anything, anyone come to us and offer us anything that like would that we couldn't do ourselves what were people offering was it was it just like financial assistance and they wanted financial payoff uh, I mean whenever a lot, a lot of the time don't even that anyone's spoken to us about bits and pieces I mean I don't really want to go into details of what people have offered us because that's kind of you know I wouldn't want to do that but I uh, over the years, whenever anyone has kind of tried to tie their name to the band, it's never been anything more than tying a name to it. There's never been much weight behind a lot of the offers. Um, one, one was great, but timing wasn't worked. There's been a lot, a lot of really great offers, but like timing hasn't worked. The timing hasn't worked. We wanted to release it this year, this side of summer, and people wanted us to wait until next year and that kind of thing. So we weren't waiting on the year, just for our own sanity. Really, it was just get it, get it out the door, like. We waited long enough. It was a uh, yeah, a long time coming. But like, as as soon as you decided to make it an independent release, like, were you like, oh my god, this is so much more work than I actually thought it would be? No, because I think 
we always plan things with the worst case scenario, the worst possible outcome. Like we'll always say, this is how hard it can be, or this is how expensive it can be, and if it gets better from that, that's fine. But we're prepared for the worst scenario at every turn. So whenever we're doing like all the figures for bits and pieces, we'll have all the uh, the worst possible scenario, and yeah, it might often stick to being that. But at least we're prepared for it, you know. Or at least we know it's going to come. And you released an absolutely amazing-looking double double gatefold final. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's difficult. To know. It's like it's like a hundred and eighty gram two LP gatefold vinyl on blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, it was pressed by DMS Ireland, uh, and the artwork was by Nick Boone, um, who's just like fantastic. I think he's English artist based in Dublin. Uh, he works out of a, a print studio in, in Temple Bar. He's, he's, I think he's fantastic. I love his stuff. Um, he really kind of took the concept, or he kind of took the name of the album and the music, and he really kind of ran with it. And whenever he came back to us with something, we just straight away, it was like, that, that's it. That's what we wanted it to look like. Um, it's, actually, it's pretty minimal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really... We had, okay, so... So that was the thing. I mean, we obviously aren't a very minimalistic band. There's it's probably maximalistic. If that's the thing. If you can add a stick to a word, make it a word. That's what I've just done. Um, like, I think it will be. Uh, yeah, it's obviously not a, not a very minimal record, but uh, it's a very simple and I think. Uh, yeah, simple artwork, but I think it says a whole lot, and I think it works. Um, it works with the story we have in our heads of the music and where our artworks have come from and gone to like there's always been this uh, recurring theme of uh, this kid this boy that we always call Jonah kind of like the Lord of the Flies Lost Boys type thing uh, I mean the concept I was running with in my own, my own head for a long time was a, a boy getting lost in the wilderness and becoming like ravaged by nature but becoming better because of it and uh, yeah I mean that I mean that's like literally just my own uh, thing the less the lads could have five different opinions of what what that is but uh oh that's what he was talking about yeah, exactly yeah yeah it's like it's very difficult to keep five other people happy so you're better off just not <laughs> just forcing your ideas through until people give up so that's that's how that's how good democracy works yeah so like you're happy with the re- the reception has been pretty good i mean people were kind of salivating for this album because it's kind of like man over at the albatross they've been around for years and years and they still haven't released an album yeah I mean, it, the reception's been ridiculous like it's been so nice we've been gotten we've gotten like, universally good reviews like the view thing is really interesting because you kind of say to yourself oh, I'm not going to read the reviews and of course you are you're going to read the fucking review and one thing that keeps coming up in other reviews is like likening us to like Explosions or Cigarettes or Mogwai or whoever else and like none of us listen to post-rock none of us listen to that kind of music like Cigarettes and would get would be the exception that we'd all kind of occasionally dip into but like and I was a huge Mogwai fan for years but like none of us like, I have no idea what their last album sounded like I have no idea what any of those bands sound like now like I don't think I listened to the new Cigarettes album more than once and people just assume that you're like drawing from this this bunch of music and it's just I remember when Enemies got their got it when they released We've Been Talking this is like big half page spread in the Irish Times about their influences and stuff and all I talked about was explosions in the sky and I told you from afar and it's like have you listened to that record like it sounds nothing like those bands like what it just yeah but no the, the reviews have been like phenomenal and it's been really really lovely and yeah like at this day I, I, having spent so long 
take, taking so long to release it, it was more just to make sure we kept ourselves sane and we were able to go on to the next thing and it didn't really matter how and then it was like we put this out and we go on to the next thing we're, just, we're, all, we're already writing again we have to just keep going because it took us so long to do that we don't want that to happen again I wanted to ask you about the timing because you guys got together around 2011 was it? and like does it actually feel like it has been a long time coming the debut album or are you just kind of like there's no point rushing yeah, it was actually 2009. Yeah, 2009 we got together. So it was like it was like November, December 2009. So really 2010. But um, yeah, so everyone was nagging. Everyone was nagging. Like our parents, our friends, like come on, like we had friends and bands saying, like come on, we've released this and that since like you gotta just get it out. And like, I can think of a couple of people in particular who were like giving out to us for not getting it out in time. But at the end of the day, we we weren't ready like it wasn't ready we could have released two iterations of the album in the time that we did in that time but we didn't because they weren't good like they weren't they weren't ready they weren't fully formed they weren't not that this one is like the perfect album or anything but it's an accurate representation of what we wanted to do from our first album like anything else before that would have been selling ourselves short I think and I think it would have been a, a disservice to people who were waiting as well is is it that your sound like changed over the over the course of the uh, six seven eight years? I think we just got. Seven years. I think we just got better at knowing how to do what we want to do. Not that the sound changed that much. I think the sound is changing now. In listening to some of the demos that we've written since the album, um, yeah, maybe it has changed. Is like I think the early stuff was very like a part tied to another part tied to another part again and there wasn't very good continuity or flow to those parts and it was kind of like an exercise in like some kind of musical athletics sometimes there wasn't really uh, much musicality to it it was just kind of part 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 and I think what the album does do better than our other stuff is that it has the songs are songs for a reason they aren't just thrown together parts yeah. that's what might have taken us so long we wrote the album three times we like recorded it three times and it, it took us so many times to actually figure out what those songs were supposed to be and in that process try not to make them go stale because you write a song we write it that we've thrown so many songs out because they've gotten stale they could have been great but they were probably terrible and I don't know. Did I deviate from the question there? What was the question? Uh, I think you answered it. I think you answered it. But so, like, there, there's a great uh, unreleased B-sides compilation <laughs> waiting. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of unreleased crap there somewhere. A bunch of hard drives. I'd love to actually... I think I probably have all of the demos from before we went to the Czech Republic. And, after, and during that, I'd love to listen to the versions of the songs we went over there with. Are the ones you wrote over there? and compare them to the versions we have now. Actually, I would love to release those like side by side and <laughs> show people where they actually came from and show everyone what took so long, like how bad they actually were in their, in their uh, like, before they got to gestate, like in their, in their inception period or whatever. Um, Tell me about Czech Republic. You went over there, was it, was it 2012 or something? I think with? it was 2012, yeah. I think it was 2012. The only reason I know that is because we did a session for Dan Hegarty in 2012, 2013 and that was after Czech because we wrote that song in Czech Republic so yeah that was that was the one thing we always seemed to end up talking about because it was at the best three months of my life like we drove from Dublin to this tiny town outside like an hour and a half outside Prague 
uh, near a town called Pisek. It was it was it was middle of nowhere. It took us 36 hours to drive there, like straight. We didn't stop anywhere. We stopped to use the jacks, like that was about it. Uh, we got there. We arrived at this beautiful renovated house from the 1930s, I think. Um, got all our gear inside, and the first day we got there, we wrote that song, Telekinetic Forest Guard. So that song for me will always remind me of standing in that live room, looking at this forest that we were surrounded by, and the lake that we were on, and it was just the most beautiful setting. We had no internet, no nothing. We had no phone, like, no way of contacting the outside world apart from going 20, oh, 14 kilometers of the road to the nearest town to go on the internet once a week. And ah, it was, it was great. It was really fantastic. And in that time that we were there, we wrote the bulk of the songs that came to be on the album. Um, and it was really that separation from the noise of Ireland and being here that let us actually write without interruption, without jobs, without family, without work kind of hanging over us. There was no way of contacting us. Was, we were there and all we could do was write music, exercise, cook and read books. Like it was, it was, it was amazing. I, that, that would be the plan to do it, to go again, to go somewhere else and we might check, but like spin the globe and see where we end up. Why did you decide to do that and why did you choose Czech Republic? I mean, couldn't you have just chosen like like an island off the coast of Galway or somewhere? An island off the coast of Galway would be too easy to get to. Do you know, it has to be far away. And I, the original plan, I'm not joking, we were, we were costing this up. The original plan was in the outback in Australia. Like we were going, we had like, we were booking containers to bring our gear over. We were contacting bands from Sydney to get in touch with them, borrow gear from. But we, like, the heat would have killed us. The, like, the, like that was too far away. But it really was a case of kind of spinning the globe and seeing where we landed. And like, it was affordable too. Like it was definitely more affordable than say Italy or France. Uh, the further east we went, the further away it was, but yeah, the, the cheaper it was. Um, they didn't take too kindly to uh, foreigners being in their country, the Czech Republic, <laughs> Republicans. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a bit tense at times. They didn't want to see uh, a lot of English-speaking people in a, in a white transit van <laughs> driving around the place. Like We refused from a pub before. We drove to the like, nearest pub and knocked on the door. I said, can we get six beers, please? Amazing beer over there, and uh, Coleman says no. It's like, can we please have six beers? And she gave us six glasses of beer, and we're in this pub, and everyone in the pub has an axe, and they're all lumberjacks. And one fella kept putting the same like Czech, like power metal song on the jukebox over and over and over again, and kept coming over and asking us where we English and stuff, and telling, <laughs> making all these like Del Boy accents and stuff. We're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even worry about it, man. It's just, just That's please don't kill us. Like, <laughs> Best good. experience of my life. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was a great three months. Constant fear of being axe murdered, murdered by an axe. So, um, first of all, I guess, did you know the guys in Overhead the Albatross before he actually formed? And like, how much of a bonding experience was it in Czech Republic? Like, if you didn't know them that well beforehand, you must have come back like. Well, we, best buddies. Well, we, we like so. Okay, so Stevie and I were in the same. Stevie plays guitar. We were in the same um, year in school. We were like best friends in school. I mean, I hate the guy now, but uh, we were best friends in school. And then uh, Ben, our drummer, he was in primary school with me. And Dave was in our school, but he was years ahead of us. And Stevie and Dave, basically four of us, were in school together. And then Luke and Vinny were in Maynooth College with Dave. And when Dave and Stevie's band Melophobia broke up, 
they wanted something to get something else to get going, so they rang me and I rang Ben and they rang Luke and Vinny and we all met in the studio. And I hadn't met Vinny at all before we started the band. So you could say we're a manufactured boy band. <laughs> I mean, technically that's true. Uh, the first day I met Vinny was when we were like writing Jonah. And I hadn't actually met Ben. I hadn't played with Ben in years. And we came into the studio and Dave and Stevie had written this demo. I'm not sure if I'd written it as well. I think the lads had written it. And uh, he came in and just like straight away played this beat. It's the first verse beat in that song, Jonah, from our first EP. And as soon as he played that beat, we were like, yeah, like that guy's in the band. And then, yeah, I only met Vinny in the studio that, that day and uh, kind of happened from there. But we kind of became really close straight away. Four of us already were, or three of us were anyway. And then, yeah, we all became very close because we gigged a lot straight away. We went, we toured England and we did lots of hiding ourselves in the studio for weeks on end. and. We were very, very intense about it for quite a while. Um, so by the time check came, it was we were already the best of friends. So and there was no fighting over there, not really. Like there was one or two tiffs, but like you're gonna you're gonna have that. Like that's fine. It's, if, you, if you didn't have that, there'd be something wrong. Um, but yeah, no, we're all we're all really tight. Like I mean, not that we see each other every day, but it's gonna that'd be like I'd be in touch with the lads more than I'm in touch with my family. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of way. Um, yeah. Uh, and and so then like going over to Czech Republic like you like w- was it one person who had to do the convincing like or, or were you all just kind of like let's just do this no we were all very much like let's just do it there was no it was not really any humming and hawing but there was a lot of disbelief there was a lot of kind of doubt that we weren't going to actually get over there uh, uh, among yourselves yeah 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 I mean it was kind of until we started like booking the house and sorting out the ferries and getting the van we bought a van to go over there and God, the van was such a piece of shit. <laughs> it, it got us over there and back, but like we missed three ferries before we got out of England because it, it broke down outside Birmingham at five o'clock in the morning, and like we had no idea how to how to fix it. And like it was like an it was like a what was it? It was airlocked. We had to get some guy in, from the AA to come out, and ah, oh, it was a nightmare. But it got us over there and back. And every day we'd have to like start the van by like opening the bonnet and like you'd pull the air intake uh, va- air on the fuel pump off the engine and spray fuel across the top of it while someone uh, turned the ignition and you have to like spark the fuel in the pipe and shove it back on again and hope the van started without blowing up so it was pretty intense <laughs> but it was good um, again I've forgotten the question uh, bonding in Czech Republic oh, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I hate those guys they're, they're the worst. and I hated them more after Czech Republic yeah, absolutely I hated those guys no, it was great. We all kind of, like most had our own rooms. Steve, uh, ben and Luke had their own their own room. We called the dorm because they were like bold kids in the room. We're like, lads, you can't smoke in the house. We're not smoking in the house. And have a towel at the door, like puffing away in the fucking in, in the bedroom. Like, lads, you're, you're grown adults. Like, you, it's okay. You don't have to hide the fact that you're smoking. Uh, it was fun though. I mean, we, we we had nothing else to do apart from be around each other, and we were like we robbed the boat that was attached to the house and like managed to get some cigars and beer and go down this lake that we were staying on it was pretty cool you're staying on a lake yeah, wow. yeah staying on a lake surrounded by forests like it was it was, like, it was like falcons overhead and stuff it was it was really mad and like why didn't you just stay there why aren't you living there right now I, I would love to uh, absolutely love to we had to come home and release an album <laughs> so, but actually the funny thing is when we got when we got the uh tracking the order from DMS once we put the order in for the records once we were in production we got an email saying that your your records have been shipped 
and they were shipped from, now I'm going to pronounce this wrong, it's like Brno or Bruno, it's B-R-N-O, it's a town in Czech, uh, I think it was there. The records were pressed but an hour away from where the album was written. I didn't realize the most depressing in Europe happens in the Czech Republic. All the plants are the plant is in the Czech Republic. So all of the record pressing companies are all actually based out of this one manufacturing plant. But I don't know, I thought it was quite nice that they were pressed an hour away from where they were written. Like it's like it's in the air. It's like ah it was it was that was a that was a nice moment. Did you um notice like the big delay in like vinyl um, ordering and shipping and making? Uh, it was in around the time that the record store day things were going to print. So so, so you hate record store day now? <laughs> I hated it before that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, record store gay is good. Record store day, not so much. The um, Barry from the MS was great. Like we, like he explained to us that it was going to be tight, but we kind of asked him really nicely and he helped us out and... He got us in on schedule, on time, and uh, we didn't we didn't get a test pressing, which was terrifying. Like it was really terrifying because it's expensive. Like it's so dear. Um, but yeah, and he, he like he helped us out, uh, and our booker Julie Cooper is just the best. Like she talked to him as well and like helped everything run smoothly and just because we're kind of like you're pissing into the wind going into these things without knowing anybody or knowing what you're doing and it was the first time any of us had pressed anything so we were at the mercy of anyone we were talking to but luckily they were all really good to us and got it all done in time and there were no problems with the pressing there was like very few rejected by the plants the artwork worked seamlessly it was I mean actually the artwork was like it was nerve wracking it was like sitting up like sitting up in bed with my girlfriend at three o'clock in the morning like trying to like make sure that everything is like right and stuff and I've got a terrible eye I'm I'm really bad at visual things but she's great at that and she's like assuring me that everything's fine I have to get this to like print by the next morning before the lads all wake up so I'm like asking her is this okay what the hell I'm trying to over and back with with Nick the artwork guy I'm sure I did his head in like you know those like blogs of like terrible uh clients like graphic design clients I'm sure I'm on one of those somewhere like I'm so sorry <laughs> you'll never believe this guy that I had to work with yeah exactly like any graphic designers you've ever had to work with I'm so sorry like, just not the language I speak um, the the thing that comes to mind when I was listening to the um, album on the way up on the bus I found that it was uh, really ambitious and you know like it's quite far reaching and stuff like that I was wondering like at when you decided to get together like how ambitious were you were you like you know we want to be like one of the best instrumental or post-rock bands in Ireland we didn't even necessarily want to be an instrumental band let alone a post-rock band so it was just it just happened that that's the category that we get lumped into we play that kind of yeah I guess a lot of the songs have those elements in them those post-rocky things some of the songs more than others um, what would you call yourselves if you wouldn't call yourself folk rock? I don't know. Like, We're a rock band. Like, I just think post rock is the most wishy-washy term. Like It's just like IDM. It's like, what does it mean? It's, it means nothing. It's like, because there's so many different sounds in that umbrella. Hmm. It's just, like, would you call 65 Days of Static a post rock band? Um, like, probably. Like, over, like the overarching elements yeah. of it, you know? If you have to call... Oh, they're kind of this kind of post-rock band. You might like them. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not going to say don't call us that because call us whatever you like. I'm matter. definitely calling you that. Yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, whatever. Like, as long as you're listening to it, I'm happy. But, uh... I don't know. Ambition-wise, it was just, let's see what sounds we can make. And I think everybody in the band has kind of mad ideas on what a band should sound like. And a lot of directly conflicting ideas as well 
but there's always a there's always a, a common thread of um, uh, what's the word? What's the word? I guess bigness or like a or no, not not bigness, but like trying trying things. Sending big. Yeah, or like but not 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 even like just like trying like the. I guess trying things. I guess like there's, there's nothing that we wouldn't want to try. There's nothing that we wouldn't want to give it a go. And we like we all have a kind of affinity for film music and for that kind of thing. Uh, and we love strings. We love brass. We love all those kind of things. And it was very. We never wanted to have strings and brass to be an accompaniment to the music. It was if we were going to write them, they were going to be lead parts. They were going to be parts that were that would carry the main melody of a song. Because I think a lot of times when you hear like a Michael Kamen uh, arrangement of an orchestra for a rock band. It's generally an arrangement, an accompaniment. It's never normally the lead part. Um, and I, f I think a lot of rock bands do that. They kind of just have these backing texture kind of sounds. I think we've been guilty of that before. But I think on the album, there's a lot of where we were writing for instruments we don't play, which was that was for me the most ambitious part. It was like playing with the National Symphony Orchestra players and those players and telling them we want this, we want you to play this, and then we're going yeah fine, and I was going. What? Like, you're not gonna say this is stupid? Like what? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I've, there's a word that I wanted to use and I've, and I've I've forgotten it, so it's really after throwing me a bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we're ambitious from the start. I don't know if we're ambitious now, but I think it was a case of not stopping until we were happy with the scale of it, because it it did need to be. It did need to reach a wide a wide. It did need to be a wide sounding record to fill in all of the colours that we wanted to have on each particular canvas, each particular song. Um, and that was only achievable by taking a lot of time doing it, I think. Um, ambition is a weird one. I don't, know if, I don't know if you know you're ambitious or not until you step back from it and yeah, yeah. think about another project that you're doing. Um, I think everyone's, everyone, we've, everyone in the band has been in hard-working bands and in, like, has worked hard in other elements and things. So I tell you, yeah, there are an ambitious bunch of guys and I feel really lucky to work with the guys that we work with because honestly there's not many people in the country I'd want to work with more than those guys because riding with them is like it's amazing it's everything just everyone's bouncing off each other there's no like chief songwriter which yeah. is the best thing so every, like, you could bring a guitar part to the band and next thing it's been like transposed to the drums and the drums are playing like the drum rhythm is now playing the piano and stuff like that. I wish people could see how it works when we're <laughs> writing because yeah. nothing like I've ever done before in any of the band. It's a, uh, it's strange. Um, I guess the ambitious thing, the ambition thing as well, kind of comes back to the fact you're playing Vicar Street at the end of the year. Oh, that yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay that's, that's, that's pretty that's, ambitious. That's pretty ambitious. That is like the dream. Yeah. So like for the last year, I've been freaking out about the album. Everyone has. We've all been like losing our minds about like, is it gonna flop? Does anyone give a shit? Like, what are we doing? Can I just get real jobs and be human beings instead so then once that came out I was like what do I freak out about I was like oh yeah we better book Vicar Street <laughs> you know I need something to actually lose my mind over so yeah it's terrifying um, it's terrifying from the point of view of we have to sell tickets for Vicar Street that's scary from the concert point of view from the gig point of view I've every confidence that we're going to work really hard and we are working really hard to make the show worth seeing um, there's going to be a lot of backing musicians and uh, a lot of like people on stage helping us out to fill it up. Um, I would imagine 
our lighting guy, Connor Biddle, is going to have a field day. <laughs> um, he's, he's the best. Uh, so from the actual production point of view, like I just really want, I want it to happen now. I want to do it tomorrow. I really want to play that gig. It's, it's we're finally playing a stage big enough to fit the sound that we want to put across. We got that that that, that um, chance before to marquee supporting Codeline. But you're kind of in for ten minutes and out again. So you're kind of you're rushed on, you're rushed off. So it was a nice taste, but we really want to do it again and do it in more places than Vic Street. So hopefully it opens up some avenues for us. Uh, to be honest, I just really want to. I really want to get up on that stage and, and do it soon because it's uh, yeah, it is the dream. It is like it's it's like you play every club in Dublin about two hundred times and you might never get the chance to play Vicar Street. So it's a really appreciative of Vacant for taking taking us on and uh, doing it with us because like I remember when the, when the Workman's Club opened I've been playing in Fibbers and metal bands for years or in a metal band for enemy for years and when Workman's Club opened I was like god I'm never going to be in a band cool enough to play in the Workman's Club Jesus Christ I never thought we'd ever play in a venue like that we played our first EP there our first EP launch there and uh, it was full it was a like, front to back full and I had to turn around to Ben our drummer because I was like, there was tears in my eyes. There were tears in my eyes. Cause I, I was completely and utterly overwhelmed by it. I just could not get over it. And I said to myself in my head on that stage, "This is it. This is all I ever need for music. I'm done. That's fine. I could like die happy. That's fine." Never playing fucking Vicar Street. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, and all I want, all I've ever wanted to do is tour. But now this is like, I feel like that's like the, that's the arc we're going on now. I just want to tour for. <laughs> consistently for a, a long time and for Vicar Street to be a, I guess the icing on the cake for what has been a really overwhelmingly positive album campaign or like um, it to be, it'll be the, the bookmark I think the book end of the Irish part of that and then we'll see what happens outside of Ireland and then we get back into the next one and as you can see there's a lot of ideas in my head kind of coming out at once <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm excited about Vicar Street is the uh, headline for that <laughs> Uh, December 9th, I think, isn't it? December 9th. Friday, December 9th. It's a Friday night. Like, I can't believe we're playing a fucking Friday night in Vicar Street. I live, I live on James Street, like, down the road, so it's a really handy commute. <laughs> if anyone wants to free drink at my house beforehand, you're more than welcome, like. Um, did you see Girl Band there, um, start of April? I didn't. I never go to gigs, but, uh, I, I, I don't. But, uh, they were, I believe they were fantastic. Uh, people were raving about them. They're such a cool band. I remember, uh, I was rehearsing with, I think it was Dermot Kennedy. I was rehearsing with someone in where they rehearse. I heard all these noises, kind of angular, like crazy noises I'd never heard before coming out of this room. And I stood with my ear to the door for 10 minutes. And it was only a week later that I realised it was like a band practising in their infancy. And it was just like, it was ferocious. And like having played metal for years and thinking you know what heavy music is, <laughs> you kind of stumbled across these guys playing that and going, what the heck, what have I been doing? Like, that's amazing. Like, they're, they're a really cool band. I'm so happy to see that they, 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 that gig seemed to do so well. It was, it was, was it sold out? I think so, maybe. Yeah, like, I mean, that's insane. Like, that's that's amazing. Like, I, I, I wish them every success. And it sucks that they've had to uh, come off tour a couple times. I get it. Like, I get it. It's, um, I don't know the guys, but like, from what I read, it's like, it's health issues and stuff. And that is, oh, number one, number one thing to look after. And no one thinks about it, musicians, no one thinks about the strain of 
working every day for no money <laughs> and how badly that can affect your health. Like it's, uh, well, you know, it's one of, one of a multitude of factors. But uh, yeah, those guys are going to keep going further. They're, they're brilliant. Um, tell me about the time when you played Workman's Club and like he shut down half a temple bar. I mean, that's a really great sounding way for that story to go. I don't think it was us. I don't think it was us because the power went in loads of different areas in Dublin City. Uh, it was around December, was it? Yeah, yeah, around that, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, what really sucked about that is that we had planned this. The set was kind of built in like a big crescendo and we get into like the halfway point and I felt like from that part of the set on was going to be the best part of the set and it was like right in the middle of Big River Man and people were like singing the guitar riff which is just <laughs> bonkers and the power the power went and all these people started singing the riff back to us I was like this is this is crazy but yeah no that was it was like it was like spending six hours cooking a meal for yourself and then spilling it all on the floor before you get to take a bite it was really 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 like I was so crestfallen we were all really crestfallen and it was just really difficult to deal with but at the same time easy to deal with practically because all you got to do was take your gear off stage get out of dodge but it was a very strange I don't know numb feeling but pe- people were great about it and one guy came up to me and he said don't worry about it man I don't, I don't even want my t- I don't even want my money back even if everyone else does <laughs> I hadn't thought of that and I was like oh my god but uh, no, people were seriously cool about it that's why we did the gig afterwards pay what you like because we didn't want to charge people again and we wanted to give people the show that, they was, that were taken away from them and we felt like we kind of cheated people of a gig as well as, as, well as having been cheated ourselves um, how, how did the pay as you go or pay what you want gig go like were people like two euro people uh, every time we've run a pay you like gig now we've done it with overhead and when I used to run a venue we, myself and Vinny used to do that a lot as well you will generally make as much money if not more money on the door than you would have been ticketed like people are so cool people like throw in 50s people like for anyone who throws in 2 euros like or no money that's fine that's why it's there if you can't afford to get the bus in if you're paying but you can afford to get the bus in do that that's fine somebody will cover you it's grand it's more important to us that people are there and it's like it's much better to buzz off a full room than it is to like have a room of 200 people who are there but can't afford a point like I, I can't afford to go to gigs like why could anybody else like it's it's uh, I don't know I recommend anyone tries it I think I think Super Extra Bonus Party used to do it yeah if I remember correctly I could be wrong could be a different band maybe it was for your losers someone used to do it and I thought it was such a good idea because um, the prices for tickets are so arbitrary like you cover your costs sure you cover your like your venue but after that it's like why is it 10 euro why is it 12 why is it 15 euro why is it 39 euro like, just, like, I don't know Man, I was I was talking about I I tweeted it earlier. James Blake announced a date in the Olympia, and he announced a date in Belfast. Tickets for Belfast are nineteen pounds fifty plus fees. Tickets for the Olympia are thirty seven fifty plus fees. I wonder whose fault that is. <laughs> That's nuts! Like, <laughs> like I mean, I I like James Blake, so like yeah, I probably I'll probably fork it out. I uh. All I remember was that story of uh, him playing Limit to Your Love in Wheelands. And when that bass line comes in, seemingly plaster fell from the roof. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's what got me into him. Uh, and the Clavier Work EP is just like. That, that song, I, I Only Know What I Know Now. Like, oh my god, I love that. I'm not really into. 
I haven't really given much time to any of his later stuff, but those EPs were so good. I think CMYK was the one that made it from, wasn't it? It was what? CMYK was the one that kind of made... Yeah, that was kind of the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was great. Uh, yeah, I like ticket prices. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I mean, with, with, with Ticketmaster, you got you're competing with Ticketmaster who are charging crazy money on top, and it's a horrible system to use, and everyone hates it. And it's just, but you get you get people as well who won't buy tickets from anything but Ticketmaster because they trust them. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, you since you've been together so much and like you kind of formed in kind of the depths of the recession I guess like have you seen Dublin change kind of for the better in terms of music and stuff and kind of have you seen it kind of taking another turn lately yeah I think so that's actually something I used to talk about with uh, Lango who's the drummer in Red Enemy when we were playing and drummer in Red, Red Enemy I can never say those words together because <laughs> uh, we used to always talk about that like how yeah we're in the depths of this recession but this is the best time to start doing things the best time to actually take a chance to quit your shit job and you know pick up an easel or pick up whatever you wanted to do because what have you got to lose and I think that's come through a lot people are doing a lot more uh, I don't know there's a much wider scope I think in Irish music there's, there's, there's like a whole bunch of like lo-fi uh like there's a lo-fi label, a couple of labels and stuff in Ireland. There's loads of, loads of like tape labels and like yeah. loads of that kind of stuff. I don't know nothing about. I feel like an old man looking at these kids doing that. I'm like, I just, I just don't get it. Uh, there's loads of like Irish electronic acts who are doing really well. There's far fewer big bands, like big loud bands. Everyone's doing something that's kind of smaller sounding, but like I'm trying to think of an example. Um, like Saint Sister or Arctalos or these things who are like a smaller setup uh, that are getting really good traction you don't have like your big and so much from fires are like Red Light Manifestos okay, I know I'm pigeonholing into one kind of thing here but I mean this is a lot fewer I think there's a lot fewer big loud maximalist kind of bands um, that's I don't know an observation I'm not sure is correct but it's one that I seem to see like there's not many big loud bands anymore um, I think that we're one of the few ones still doing that. I don't think if people are interested in that sound anymore. I feel like an old man playing dad rock a lot of the time. <laughs> like, if you look at the lineup for Castle Blues, I say, like, there's very few. Oh, it's insane. Like, there's very few bands, bands like you would have seen five years ago. It's a lot of producers and smaller setup acts that are making use of what you can do at home in a bedroom. Like, there's a lot of people who've picked up an MPC and have gotten really, really good at that. There's I don't know if I'm getting across what I'm trying to say here, but uh, you've seen Dublin change. Yeah, I've definitely <laughs> seen Dublin change, and for the better, I think as well. There's a lot more variety. There's a lot more like there's a lot more people doing things in cooler venues, like the Homebeat guys are doing really cool things, and you don't have to go and book out the Workman's Club to do a big show anymore. You can do, I don't know. There's lots, of, lots and lots of cool things you can do. Um, it's good to see Block T back again because that was gone. And I'm not sure if they're gonna have geek space there, but um. Is it, is it not moving, no? It's moved to Basin Street, yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure if they're going to have a live space like they had in Block B. Um, to be honest, man, I don't go to gigs. I don't, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on in, the, in like, the gig scene and stuff. But I, like, is there a reason for that? Is it just like monetary or is it just like uh, I don't I, enjoy it? I don't enjoy it. I get really bad anxiety at shows um, and that feeds a whole lot of other things. So I, uh, I stay away from them. Um, to the much to the dismay of my girlfriend. <laughs> like I can't stand going to festivals. I used to love oh, them. Really? Love them. But now when we play them I arrive, play and leave. Like it's just 
can't deal with them. Like, try sometimes, but it's like, yeah. Like, what's the point in going and spending 30 quid on a ticket to a show? Get there. I'm like, get me out of here. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's not fun. It's not, I, I don't know. It gets way too overwhelming for me. Yeah, um, as you said earlier, like, you know, the mental health and all that side of things is kind of number one. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and I, I'd much rather, you know, <laughs> be able to enjoy the things I do enjoy <laughs> than freak out about something that I'm not enjoying at all because I think that I should enjoy it. I did it for a long time. Like, I did the gigging things since I was 15 and got a good 10 years out of it. But you see people who are like, people come to our shows who are like in their 60s and stuff and it's like, this is crazy. This is like, how do you get, where do you find the energy to come to these things? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think uh, people feel obliged to go to concerts as their kind of social, the social groupings and stuff and a lot of people drop out of their social groups because they don't want to go to don't want to go to shows they don't want to go to gigs and like still to this day my friends are like what do you mean you don't like going to gigs like, I used to write blogs I used to write, I used to do live reviews of gigs and stuff I used to lo- I used to like live at hardcore shows but I just couldn't my skin is like crawling thinking about them now wow. yeah it's mad and like at the same time I'm still, I still have the gall to say hey come to shows hey come to our <laughs> come to our gigs you know it's so fucking cheeky the audacity of that like Look, if you feel like coming, you can come. That's great. If you don't, that's fine too. Like, we'll definitely buy a ticket to Vicar Street. <laughs> and so finally, I guess, uh, Overhead the Albatross, named after a Pink Floyd song. Um, do you have many Pink Floyd, like, old owl lads in their 60s coming up? Like, I thought you were a cover band or something like that. We get a lot of online. Online people hear the name and kind of do like a tip of the fedora and say ah I think Floyd reference is it and we're like yes it is yes it is very much so you got you nailed it um, I mean you must have known when you named the I, I, I like was reared on Pink Floyd like we were, a lot of us were big fans it was one of the only things we agree on back in 2009 not that I don't think any of us bar like Stevie still listens to Pink Floyd but I mean I'd still would throw on uh, uh, Live at Pompeii I think is one of the best live recordings of a band that ever ex- has existed and um yeah, that, it was it was a conscious nod to Pink Floyd. And I think that for a band that was that expansive back then, there was no there was, there was no one like there was no one doing what they were doing back in 1971, back in the late 60s, early 70s. They were unrivaled. They were the best at what they did. Uh, it's not to say they went on in their future and did that well later on, but uh, that was like, look, I put it this simply: whenever Stevie and I were, were like 15 and starting playing music, they were 14. We used to go into his house watch Live in Pompeii the whole way through and without speaking we'd stand up walk out to his garage and just jam for hours and hours and hours and hours and they gave us so much to write they gave us so much like inspiration to play music that it was only kind of it only made sense to us to kind of name something after them after all you know it was a uh, yeah they definitely had a huge part in the formation of our tastes and I mean I don't want to like I know it sounds really defensive to say we're not into them now but like Genuinely, I don't think any of us like really listen to them that much these days. Animals is still an amazing record. I love that. It's the one people overlook. Everyone thinks it's the dark side and the wall, but like, go back further. It's way better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Thanks. Thanks for all that. Uh, do you want? Um, do you have it in your head? The re- the next couple of festivals that you're doing, or yeah. So we're doing Knock and Stockin. Um, we're playing uh, Music Town as a part of Caltronic in Derry on the 9th of July. Um, we're playing what else has been announced that I can say without getting in trouble um, and various other festivals various other festivals yeah um, and Vicar Street in the 9th of December which everybody should go to whether you like going to gigs or not <laughs>
<laughs> cool. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Joe. Cheers. Joe Panama, everybody. From Overhead the Albatross. Their album Learning to Growl is out now. You can get it online. Old, uh, Overhead the Albatross at Bangkamp. Bangkamp. And uh, yeah, go to Ticketmaster or Eventbrite and buy tickets for uh, Vicker Street on July 9th. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody.